Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I can feel my, Jeremy, I can feel my voice fading a little bit, uh, so you'll have to watch me. So we're still in recovery. Uh, we've got an Easter clipboard that we're going to pass, I believe, guys, right? So we've got an Easter clipboard. Easter is only like six weeks away. Uh, and uh, so we will have an awesome, epic Easter weekend uh, with um, our candy hunt, with a good Friday service, and then our morning event and water baptisms. So if you want to be a part of staffing and helping us on Easter weekend, uh, we want you to fill that out. Uh, just put your name in there. Let us know that you're interested in helping us with uh, either the top of the section, something to do with Easter, or the lower section, you're definitely committing to the uh, candy hunt where we have about six or 800 community people come in on the property, and it's just a great outreach tool for us to touch their lives with love. Amen? So we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about this uh, love revival. We've been talking about this season of love that we're in. And uh, we're believing, we're believing that this love revival, a love revival of God in God from God is happening right now and beginning and that we're going to bask in it. We're going to be transformed by it, that we're going to taste of his love, uh, that, that our lives are going to be whacked in his love a little bit more. Hello, somebody. Could anybody handle some more love from Father? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ten of you are ready for love from Father. That's good. So we're believing that we're entering into this, we're entering into this zone of love. And uh, so my heart was moved to begin to just take a few Sundays and prepare us to receive love. Amen. So sometimes we joke about our cat at home. Anybody got a cat at home? Cats are an interesting thing, aren't they? This cat, we gave this cat away to some church members. Oh, yeah, this cat, we usually, most of our cats usually die at an early age, but this cat, this cat, we can't, we've not been able to get rid of them. And then a few cats we've just dropped off. We've just dropped off. We've blessed someone with a few cats because they were the cats from hell. And so, but this particular cat, Patty Jr., Patricia Jr., PJ, this cat, uh, as typical with so many cats, and, and there's, there's power to this illustration, we don't want to be like this with the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is trying to pour more love on the church, he's trying to open up our hearts, he's trying to do something new, he's actually trying to create with us a new wineskin because it takes a new wineskin to receive new wine. He cannot put new wine in an old skin. And so we have to begin to shift and change. We have to begin to think differently, see him differently, open up our hearts differently. So sometimes here's what happens with the cat. The cat comes near, then runs away. The cat gets close, but then if you act like you're going to maybe show affection to the cat, the cat quickly exits. Sometimes the cat comes and actually allows a little bit of affection to be poured out, but then quickly bites you and then runs away. 
Come on, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're this way with the Holy Spirit. We're this way sometimes with the Lord. You know, we, we draw near and we begin to purr and we're really enjoying his presence. And then quickly we shift. Quickly we get afraid. Quickly we run away. Quickly we're spooked. Quickly we're like, oh, that's too much. What is with all this independence? Amen, somebody. If the Holy Spirit is moving us and prophetically he's announcing this and, and we've heard this, we've sensed it in our own atmosphere, we've heard it prophetically that God is beginning to release a love revival over the church, over his kids, over the body of Christ. He is begin, there's, there's just an uptick. Something's going on. We can't even define it, but there's an uptick in the presence and the ministry of love in our midst. And if he's doing this, uh, we don't want to be resisting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, 33 years ago, um, yours truly and hers truly, uh, we began our romantic encounters, and those romantic encounters uh, were in a little Porsche with the top off, sunny, summery seasons, beautiful. And I had already heard from God. God said, that's your wife. I'm ready to move in for the kill. (laughs) Quickly moving into maybe holding of hands, lip locks, sweet caress. This is going to be my wife. Glory to God. Uh, I was bounding with faith. I was overwhelmed with joy. But, uh, but Miss Joel had been studying the Bible, and so she said that uh, if I, uh, she said essentially that uh, she put a Bible there, right? Here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? If you jump over these, I'll give you the Acts. She was a biblical woman, and she had certain boundaries. And uh, you girls could learn well from this woman, I'll tell you what. The pure thing that she is and was. So one night, so one night we're uh, driving. Uh, we're driving. It's beautiful, sunny, it's gorgeous, warm, top is off. I've got just the right jazz music playing. I'm about to move in for my first holding of hands. I mean, after all, the Lord said, this is your wife. I'm about to move in for my first holding of hands. And I reach my hand over. You guys, have you done this? Slyly. I reach my hand over, waiting for her to welcome the first suave, romantic holding of hands. She does nothing. I inch a little closer. She does nothing. Yeah, she probably put her hands in her pockets. She put her, you put your hands in your pockets. She put her hands in her pockets. Lord have mercy. This woman, obviously, she is not responding. And the word, the sermon today is on obedience. Obviously, obviously, she is not responding well to the voice of the Holy Spirit at this moment. So then, so then, I, I, what did I do? I pushed in a little bit harder, right? 
I hit you. I hit you. And then she said, what? And I said, hold my hand. We've moved from romance to control. Straight into macho dominion. The alpha male with all the testosterone is showing forth. And she's like, no. We haven't dated long enough. Then she announces, she doesn't hold hands until you've dated three months. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to starve. What in the world? A little humor. But we, we don't want to be like that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to draw near. The Holy Spirit is trying to press into our lives. The Holy Spirit is wanting an atmosphere of receptivity. The Holy Spirit wants to hold our hand. The Holy Spirit wants to draw near. The Holy Spirit wants to activate love. We have to have receivers' hearts. Remember, I've been talking to you about this atmosphere where where we even begin to move a little bit out of petition, where we're constantly asking God for things, while inwardly we're not even sure if he wants to grant them. And we begin, to be, we begin to move, even with our heart, our mood, our attitude, our confession, we begin to mood, uh, move a little deeper into a receiving mode. Lord, I receive love from you today. Lord, I receive goodness from you. Lord, I receive favor from you. Lord, I receive love from you today. I receive that you love me well, that you love me fully, and I am loved. I can love myself. I can love. I am transformed by your love. We begin to talk this way even over ourselves. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? We begin to talk this way over ourselves. We begin to picture his love, and we begin to picture his love embraces, and we begin to allow him to surprise us, to sweep us off our feet. Hallelujah. He wants to sweep you off your feet with his love. Now, I've been talking for the last couple weeks about creating an atmosphere where we draw him near. We're literally putting off the right Schmel, right? There's cheap cologne, Brute 33. I don't know why they advertise English lather or whatever. What is that stuff they're always advertising? What? Old Spice? Nobody buys that stuff. Come on. If you're paying a dollar for cologne, come on now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All you're getting is a little alcohol. I mean, it just, I just splash some rubbing alcohol on your shoulders and just go on with life. It'll evaporate quickly and you'll smell like something. You've you got to do better than that. So we, we've been talking about putting on an aroma. Well, not the aroma of... Okay. Putting on the right the, that draws him near. We want to have a heart. We want to have an attitude. We want to have a perspective that draws him near. So the first thing we talked about was having a heart of thanksgiving. And not only a heart of thanksgiving, but moving thanksgiving to the tongue. We don't want to be silently thankful people. We want to be vocally thankful people. That there's something about bringing thanksgiving up to the voice. He's drawn to the fruit of our lips. He's drawn to thanksgiving, the fruit of our lips. Hebrews 13, 15. 
And so we've been talking about how important that is, that if we are thankful vocally, that if we are thankful out loud, that if we are thankful with our voice, then it is attractive to the Holy Spirit. It literally releases something much better than Old Spice, Brute 33, or any of those dollar store colognes. Hallelujah. It releases something precious into the heavenlies, and it captures his attention, and we want that. Last week, we talked about glory. We talked about if we want his glory, then we need to actually activate his glory by giving him glory. We give him glory with our lifestyle. We give him glory with our attitude. We give him glory with thanksgiving, with praise again. But we also give him glory. We give him glory by reflecting the glory that's on us back to him. Rather than retaining glory, we also give him glory. We also give him glory by by allowing him to lead us into crazy things that are on beyond the scope of our doing. Remember, he takes Gideon's 20,000 and says 300 dismiss 19,700 of them because I want to lead you into something that when it comes to pass, it'll be so significant that you can't say you did it. You'll have to say God did it. God wants to lead you into things, and you have to allow him to do that, lead you into things wherein you can literally say, oh, my goodness, that was God. And so sometimes he'll lead you into things that seem really risky, and you've got to lean into his word, because his word is the only thing that will mitigate the risk. Why? Because he wants the glory. So then when it comes to pass, that you reflect that glory back to him. And this is releasing. This is, this is letting go. This is, this is activating a cologne, a perfume, an aroma that draws him near in this season. We want to draw him near in this season. Amen? Today I want to talk about the aroma, the attraction of obedience. The attraction, the aroma of obedience. I want to go to 1 Samuel 15 and read a passage there. 1 Samuel 15. Are you okay with this? 1 Samuel 15. And we'll pick it up at... I'm gonna, I had it printed in my notes, but I don't think I've got enough of the text. Uh, and so let's go and pick it up in the text itself. Uh, and that might be uh, a lot of reading. Are you okay with that? Can you stay awake? Hallelujah. Elbow somebody and say, stay awake. Now, you think that's funny, but I've had the spirit of slumber visit me when I've been reading the word. So it's not funny, it's for you. You've got to stir yourself. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First Samuel chapter 15, Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over the people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he set himself against Israel him, Israel, on the way while he was coming out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all, everybody say all, 
all that he has and do not spare, say spare, and do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep and camel and donkey. This is war, folks. This is war with a tribe that had been used of the devil. And essentially, this was a tribe that when they came out of Egypt, this tribe withstood them, devoured, wanted to destroy them. And this is the tribe, you remember the story, where Joshua fought against Amalek and Moses stood on the hill and Amalek would have destroyed them, but Joshua fought down in the valley. Moses stood on the hill overlooking the valley and Aaron and Hur held up his arms. Remember that battle? That was Amalek. And uh, this, is a, this is a vile people. This is a people that are producing, not an aroma, but a stench in God's nostrils because of their sin and because of the way they opposed the people of God and resisted the calling of God of the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so go and strike them. And then he said, verse 4, and then Saul summoned the people and numbered them. And there were 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, uh, which were a good folk there, go down, and among, uh, go down from amongst the Amalites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to the sons of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from the Havilah, down to Shur, which is east of Egypt, and he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul, everybody say, but. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all the good and were not willing to destroy them utterly or completely, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Now picture this. Samuel comes. He's the prophet of God. He comes. He speaks to Saul. He gives Saul this assignment. And then Samuel goes back to his house. And then Saul rallies 200,000 troops, and they go. And first they send in emissaries to the city, and they say, look for the Kenites, because the Kenites dwell among them. Get them out of there. And then we'll go in, we're going to set up ambushments, we're going to destroy this territory, take it over for God. And so Samuel's still back at the Samuel shack, and he's just meditating on God, hanging out. And all at once he gets like this thing in the spirit realm, right? Something's up. Saul has not fully followed the assignment. So Saul's out there, and Saul sends the folks in, and they go. But when they get into the territory, they see all of these, like, amazing herds, and they, they see some amazing things in the territory, and they're like, whoa, we can't destroy this stuff. This stuff's too good to destroy. And so, you know, you can picture them maybe discussing, having a little fraternization amongst one another. And they're like, well, what we could do, we could take this back and, like, offer a little bit as a sacrifice. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, well, okay, we could do that stuff. And so instead of, instead of letting, see, see, sin, whenever sin is burnt up, sin produces an aroma that pleases the Lord. 
your sin also. When your sin is offered up before the Lord, it produces an aroma that pleases the Lord. Burning up sin, putting away sin, that's a sacrifice God is pleased with. Yes? And God is drawn near to that sacrifice. Well, these people as a whole were so bound in iniquity and given over to the demonic that that their destruction pleased the Lord and it was to be a sweet-smelling aroma to him. But his, his directions were to be followed fully and completely. Are you with me so far? So they saved out some and they... They, they uh, kept some of the best, it says. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, back at the Samuel shack. And, and the Lord said, I regret that I've made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commandments. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Now, he's, he's, he's crying out to the Lord. It doesn't tell us what he's crying out about, but he was vexed in his heart, vexed in his spirit, because uh, he had made an investment in the Saul as well. He had anointed Saul. He believed in Saul. Saul was the least of the tribes. He was from the least of the tribes, and he was the least of the least. And yet the people selected him. God anointed him. There was a great anointing on him. The oil had been poured out on his life, and God had lifted him from being the least of the least to be the leader of the people and the greatest of the great. And yet, God was calling him to fully obey. Everybody say, fully obey. So Samuel, the prophet, he is distressed over this. And and it's not that he's unfamiliar with disobedience. Remember, Samuel was raised in Eli's house. Samuel is the son of Hannah, and Hannah devoted Samuel to the Lord. Hannah couldn't have children. Remember that? Hannah couldn't have children, and she cried out to the Lord, and she would go to the temple year after year, and she would weep before the Lord and cry out before the Lord and ask God to activate her womb and to, and to, to remove barrenness from her. And so she's crying out before the Lord, and Samuel is the result of the hand of the Lord, the answer of God coming upon. And so she honors God because she said, whatever comes out of my womb first, I'm going to devote that like a first fruit to you, Lord, and that child will be raised in the house of the Lord. So she brings Samuel to Eli to be raised in the presence of the Lord under Eli. And yet Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were reprobate, were not following the Lord, and Eli himself had turned back from fully obeying the Lord, and it says vision was rare in those days, and prophetic utterance had been shut up in those days. What's our topic today? God draws near... God draws near. We want the kiss of God. We want the embrace of God. We want the love, the love promises. You know what I do sometimes when I'm, when I'm being lovey? I don't shout it across the room. I get right up in her ear. But she can't hear it if she's not listening. 
Yeah? We want the whispers of the Holy Spirit right on our ear. The whispers of the Holy Spirit. Vision was rare in those days. First Samuel chapter 1. Vision was rare in those days. Because of the lifestyle, the disobedience of Eli and his sons. So Samuel's familiar with this. He's grieved. He's up all night crying about this. He, so he gets up the next day and he goes to meet Saul. And here he comes to meet Saul. And he says... And let's let's go there. We've got to find it. Verse 12, Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, set up a monument for himself, and then turned and proceeded down to Gilgal. Yeah, some of you have seen already we've got some problems. Set up a monument to himself. Well, he had a victory. He had a great victory. That's pretty cool. He had a great victory. Hey, hey, when you got a great victory, my goodness sakes, you might as well flaunt it. Build a little idol to yourself. What did we say last week? Give all the glory to who? Give all the glory to God. Then Saul, Saul, Saul had a great victory. Saul had wiped out these people. And then Saul... Uh, built this monument, and then he proceeded down to Gilgal. And so Samuel came to Saul down at Gilgal. He came down there. And, uh, and Saul said to him, it was a nice greeting, Hey, as Samuel was coming down the road, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, Really? Uh, how come I hear sheep? What is this bleating of sheep in my ears and this lowing of oxen that I hear? And Saul said, "Oh, oh, oh, oh just those little things there. Uh, well, they've been brought. They've been brought. Uh, brought. Uh, they. Brought, uh, we. Well, we brought those from the Amalekites." Uh, the, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice. Uh, to sacrifice. That's it. That's it. That's it. They spared the best to sacrifice. That's it. To the, to the, to the Lord your God. But the rest, the, the rest of it we totally de- destroyed. So we did pretty good. And then Samuel said to Saul, wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, oh okay, oh, okay, go ahead, speak. What is it? What is it? Boy, am I in trouble now. And Samuel, the prophet, said, Is it not true that though you were little in your eyes, you were made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And then Saul said to Samuel, I, I did obey the voice of the Lord. You ever talk this way to the Lord? Have your kids ever talked this way to you? I, 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 did, I did clean my room. Really? What are those smelly long items that go on feet over in the corner? Well, 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 most of the room. 
I, I did obey the voice of the Lord. And I went on that mission on which the Lord sent me. And, and I have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek. And, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But, 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 but the people took some of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the choice things uh, devoted to destruction. Uh, uh, but the, 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 the sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And Samuel said, and this is really powerful. And Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed better than the fat of rams. Did you hear that? You hear that? Come on, you with me this morning? Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying, obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. It's a bad day. Obedience is so powerful, church. Obedience obedience draws God near. Obedience is so precious. You know, I'm thinking uh, with with all of us, with all of us, Uh, our obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit, our obedience to the voice of the Lord. By the way, this is why the old covenant didn't work. This is why the old covenant had to be replaced with a new covenant because, because under the old covenant, if I checked all the boxes, then I was in. If I checked all the boxes, if I brought my first fruits, if I brought my turtle dove, if I brought my oxen, if I brought the right sacrifice, if I brought my barley, if I brought my wave offering, if I, in the Old Testament, if I just checked all the right boxes, then everything was okay, regardless of what was going on in here. This is why in John 4, Jesus says to the woman at the well, behold, there is a day coming. It's not about what mountain you worship on. There is a day coming when those who are true worshipers, they will worship with spirit and with truth. They will worship with a heart that really does want God exalted. They will worship with a heart of obedience. A heart of, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. This is why in that messianic passage, that psalm that is really a psalm about Jesus, it says that that sacrifice and burnt offerings you didn't require, but I have come to do your will, O God. Did you know when you have a heart that says your will, did you know that you are bringing the, the highest form of worship there is? Now, we love Hillsong, we love Jesus culture, we love jazzy culture, we love... That was supposed to be humorous. Come on, somebody. 
We, we, we love worship. We love the song of the Lord. We love the house of David. We, we love the psalmist and the singer. We, we love the poetic. We love all of that. But I'm telling you that when you obey the Holy Spirit, when you obey the voice of Jesus, it's just as good as if you were doing cartwheels on the front row during the greatest, loudest worship service. If you were, if you were clapping and doing a, a dance, if you had every kind of shofar and robe and you were spinning before the Lord. It's just as good when you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit and greet someone, love someone, reach someone, care for someone, do whatever he's put in your heart. When he puts something in your heart and you do it, when you've got that merry heart about you, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. That's worship. He counts that as worship. And he is drawn near to you. Some of you feel inept in worship. You're like, my voice really sucks. Some of you are like, I can't clap to keep time to save my life. I will do my best, but I am always going to be out of rhythm. I mean, some of you are thinking in the worship service like, this is really not my bag. I will tolerate this. Don't put up your hand. But you know what? Stop putting yourself down. Maybe you've been following the voice of the Spirit. Maybe you've been one of the best on the planet at obeying the leading of the Lord. Maybe the song in your heart is a song of obedience. Maybe you've got this soft heart before the Lord. And I'm telling you what, God will be drawn to that. God will be, he will find that, he will see that, and you will have a love revival. And maybe you've been letting the enemy disqualify you, and you've been saying, I really don't measure up, I really don't worship appropriately, I don't know why God would visit me. And maybe you've been letting the enemy just kind of mess with your brain. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to set you free from that mess right now because your obedience is a high form of worship. Your obedience is a high form of worship. Thank you, Lord. You receive that right now? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Disobedience is like rebellion and divination. It's pride. It's going after our own way. It's doing our own thing. God resists the proud, but he pours out grace on the humble. His grace is poured out. He is drawn to the humble of heart. What's the humble of heart? Who is the humble of heart? It's the one who says, yes, Lord, to his leading. Yes, Lord, to the ministry, to the testimony, to the voice of Jesus on the inside. The voice that calls you to give, the voice that calls you to love, the voice that calls you to serve, the voice that calls you to minister, the voice that calls you to hug, the voice that calls you to calm down. The voice that calls you to dismiss fear. The voice that calls you to believe and to walk. That response of obedience is a response of humility. And James says in chapter 4 that God will be drawn to that humility, that God is attracted to that humility, that you are releasing an incense that he cannot resist. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. 
Obedience is the sweetest worship. It demonstrates the highest level of trust. It's the submission of our will. Obedience is the submission of our will. This this is a powerful, powerful thing. I think sometimes our trouble is that we want to fit God into boxes. That's why sometimes we revert to things that look maybe like the Old Testament. We like to have it all figured out. Bring a turtle dove. Bring some barley. Bring a clean animal. Bring a little offering and 50 Hail Marys. But the Holy Spirit is calling us into relationship. He's calling us into a living relationship. Every moment he's got something for you. Every day he's got something for you. He's leading you. He's leading you. And he's not, he's not Jesus the suggestion. He's Jesus our Lord. He's not Jesus our friend only or our coach only, though we refer to him that way. He is Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. When we acknowledge him as Lord and we humble him ourselves under his leading, crazy and amazing things happen. Is it our heart of worship? Is it Is it our heart and our heart of worship, a heart of worship that Father is trying to get us to whenever we're humbled? Is this maybe even what the chastening of Father looks like when we've not changed in the heart, we've only changed or we're only functioning in the outer realm? I'm thinking of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your, in- your ancestors had never known, to humble and to test you that in the end it might go well with you. Lest you may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is this day. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow after other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. I'm thinking sometimes that we go through chastening. Sometimes we go through times where there is a rebuke, where there's a word, there's correction. But, but God's after our heart. God, God wants, to, he wants to get our hearts. He wants to get our hearts turned back to him. He, he wants to free us from what might be the outward, the outward showing or the outward demonstration or the outward that people see and grab our hearts so that inwardly we're after him. Inwardly we're following him fully. Inwardly. And so sometimes we're humbled and we go through a wilderness as they were humbled in a wilderness period. They were humbled in a wilderness period because they did not fully believe. They did not fully yield the majority, the ten tribes and their ten spiritual leaders and the majority of the people, all but two, Joshua and Caleb, said, we aren't able, we can't go in, God's word isn't true, we don't believe it's true, even if it is true, we will not obey it. 
And so, therefore, they were humbled. And it says, why were they humbled? They were humbled that they would see what was in their own heart. When you come into a time of humility, God is hoping that there will be a moment where you kind of wake up and say, hey, something's wrong on the inside of me. And they were humbled so they would see what was in their heart so that God could do good to them in the end or at the end of that humbling period. Why? So God could restore in them a heart of obedience, a heart that yearned to follow fully after all that he said. And that's the group of people we see now coming out of the wilderness, the people that Joshua and Caleb lead out of the wilderness into the promised land. It says none of them were sick. None of them had doubt or unbelief. None of them were frail. All of them were strong. It says those that they led over that Jordan River into the promised land, all of them were a renewed people engaged to follow God fully. If God said something really dumb, they would follow even the dumb thing. I need the singers up and the band, which we want to close this morning. Even if God says something crazy, like march around a city and don't say anything and do it for seven days, and then on the seventh day, do it seven times. At the end of the seventh time, for the first time, you'll be able to say something. But when you say something, I want you to shout. Blow the shofars and shout. A glorious shout that God has given you the city. Oh, and by the way, remember Saul. This city's devoted to me. When it goes up in smoke... It's going to be an aroma to me. Don't take anything out of it. It's all mine. I'll let you have the next cities. I'll let you receive plunder out of the next cities. But in this city, I want this city to be devoted to me as an offering. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just if you can, all across the auditorium. I think sometimes our own hearts reflect Saul's heart a little bit. I think sometimes we bargain with God, we hear from God, and then we compromise with God. We, we hear from God, and we, we follow it partially. Then we can't figure out why the blessing, why the glory doesn't show, why the love doesn't show, why the, why the manifestation doesn't show. I think sometimes you, me, we're kind of like Saul. But God, I, I did do a bunch of it. I, I did. I, I went over there and I helped him move, you know, a couple things. But 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 I but I did I, I did go on outreach. I went two 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 times and and I I did and I but but I, but I, I did apologize for all those angry words. I did. I told her that I told her that that I loved her. But 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 I but I did take back. You know, a lot of that stuff I took from work, and I did take back a lot of it, and I, I did. 
Bargains with God. Bargains with God. Bargains with God do not allow him to pour out the fullness of his glory, the fullness of his presence. We sang about it this morning. Let your glory fill this place. Let heaven invade our lives. This is what we want. We want this, but if we want this, we have to risk fully obedience, obeying and following fully, fully following his word. We, we, we can't negotiate with Jesus the Lord. We, we can't come up with our own methods. We can't our own way and our tricks, our schemes, our half-hearted devotion. It's just pride, rebellion. Witchcraft, manipulation. God's calling us to a place of obedience, and a place of obedience is a place of aroma, sweetness, irresistible cologne before the Lord. I want you to begin to pray all across the auditorium. Maybe a few of the prayer partners up front. I want you to respond to this right now. Just begin to respond to him. I don't know your heart. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know all that pertains to you, but I know that he's tugging in our hearts. He's tugging on my heart. This word is as good for me as it is for you. He's pulling us into a heart, a place of worship that is not external only, but it's a place of worship out of obedience. To follow His Word fully. If this is touching your heart, begin to pray. We'll worship as we close this morning, but pray. Draw near to Him. Bring a prayer of repentance. Come to the front if you feel like that's what he would have you to do. Follow him fully. Follow him fully. Follow him fully. Trust him with your life. Let him be Lord. Let him be Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you, for tender hearts in this place, tender hearts in this church, tender hearts. We ask you to receive our repentance and that you would receive the acknowledgement right now. That we've missed you, we've negotiated with you, we've tried to bargain with you and it's harmed our relationship it has harmed our relationship and we say this morning we run to you we're done with bargains we're done with bargains let the trickster the manipulative the bargaining the carnal scheming, let it be removed, lifted out of our hearts, out of our lives. We present it, we present it as an offering. We present all of that as an offering before you.
In Jesus' name.